What's happening, y'all? Welcome inside the Fantasy Stock Exchange. Bush coming at you with another solo video. As always, on Wednesdays, we go through the week five matchups. We go through the start-sit decisions that you're going to have to make, matchup by matchup, position by position. Before we get into this video, I want to uh, shout out to all of you guys for all the free support that you've shown, all the likes, the comments, and the subscribes. They all help the channel tremendously. Help this video get to 200 likes, and I will not eat pizza this week on the Sunday live stream. Crocomon is the reigning first comment champ. We'll see who can best him in this uh, video. Paid support, if you're, if you're looking to help us financially, we definitely appreciate that. Patreon.com slash Fantasy Stock Exchange is how you can do that. As always, there's timestamps in the description. If you want to know about any specific game, any specific player, you can just go to the timestamps, check out that game where I talk about it. Now let's hit the intro. Before we get into the Thursday night football game, we're going to talk about our new official sponsor. That is Jock Market, Jock MKT. It's where fantasy sports become a stock exchange. Let me tell you how it works. Each NFL Sunday, there's an IPO just like the stock market. You can bid on your favorite players or any players that you think are going to perform this uh, perform well this week in fantasy. You buy and sell shares with other users in real time. If, for example, you have Lamar Jackson, he has a good first half. Maybe you want to sell uh, shares of him thinking he's going to get taken out in the second half for Robert Griffin the third or something. You can sell him for a nice profit and vice versa. You can buy low on guys that maybe had a down first half. You make money every hour, every minute, every second of every game with Jock Market. Daily contests are live, not just for the NFL, but also for NBA and PGA as well. Take control of your fantasy sports experience. Right now is the easiest time to play. Free contests you can play in without uh, paying actual cash where you can stack chips and climb the leaderboards. Myself in Canada, I'm not actually able to play paid contests yet. But uh, those of you in the United States, you can play paid contests where you are trading real cash, where if you get Hunter Henry for $50 and you sell uh, the shares of him for $65, you made a $15 profit, so on and so forth. Download now in the App Store, Android coming very soon. All right, to TNF. Bucks and Bears, my, uh, my Tampa Bay Buccaneers will head to Chicago, uh, and they're really banged up in this one. At quarterbacks, uh, I think you sit Foles and you stream Brady. The Bucks offensive injuries will kind of determine how highly I have Brady ranked this week. Right now, he's like just outside my top 15. Brady has actually thrown over 35 times in every game thus far in the season, and his passer rating has improved in each one. So it looks like initially in the New Orleans game, it looked like this offense was completely out of sync. It didn't look like they were on the same page whatsoever. And, and now it's, it's looking like the opposite. It's looking like Evans and, and Brady and Scotty Miller and Brady. And hopefully when Godwin comes back, him and Brady, they're all starting to gain chemistry and, and get better. And like I said, Brady has looked better each game that he's played. And I think uh, he'll have a pretty solid outing in this one, assuming some of these guys are able to come back. Um, running back wise, I think, so assuming uh, as of right now, Bruce Arians was quoted as saying, uh, we might have to roll with two running backs this week uh, because LaShawn McCoy and Leonard Fournette did not practice on Wednesday, uh, or sorry, on Tuesday as they have a, a Thursday night game. So if you combine that with the fact that the four, four of the top uh, Bucks receivers are not practicing, I, I believe Evans and Miller are going to play if I had to guess, but Keyshawn Vaughn and Ronald Jones could see a lot of targets with a lack of healthy pass catchers. And I think without Fournette there, Jones is a top 15 start in my opinion. And I think you can emergency flex Keyshawn Vaughn as like a top 30 option this week. Because as I mentioned, they're without some receivers. They're without OJ Howard now. 
Uh, they're without a lot of other running backs. I think Keyshawn Vaughn is going to see a decent uh, share of work, but he'll probably have five to seven carries and a couple uh, targets. And I think that could make him viable in this game. Um, and then after playing uh, for, on the Ronald Jones front, after playing 64% of the snaps in week four and topping 29 opportunities, as I mentioned, you can start Ronald Jones confidently if Leonard Fournette misses this game. The Bucs, uh, uh, from the uh, Bears running back perspective, the Bucs have been lights out against runners this season, again, as they were last year. You have to be a receiving back and you have to be dynamic, more importantly, to take advantage of, the, um, of Devin White and Jordan Whitehead, some of the linebackers like that miss tackles sometimes. Uh, in the receiving game. And I'm not sure that David Montgomery has what it takes to be able to do that. So I'm not sitting him unless I'm in like a, if if you're in a shallow league and you have um, three or four really good running back options, I would definitely sit David Montgomery. Otherwise I'd probably just temper expectations for him. He's probably like a top 24 running back, but he's not in that like top 20 range. Like he normally is in this matchup onto the wide receiver position. Um, As I mentioned, I think Scotty Miller and Evans are going to be the two that end up playing. I think Watson and and Godwin will be out in this game. On the screen right now, you'll see the uh, wide receiver cornerback matchup. Scotty Miller expected to go up against Kyle Fuller. Mike Evans against rookie Jalen Johnson, who's actually been quite good, but uh, Mike Evans should be able to take care of him with relative ease. Uh, Allen Robinson per PFF is, is matched up with Jamel Dean, but I, I believe once the, st- uh, the shadow data comes out, I expect Carlton Davis to be uh, shadow coverage on Allen Robinson. As he is pretty much their only um, scary wide receiver option. Tight end wise, I think you can stream both guys. And I actually think Gronk is like my, like a start of the week type at tight end Uh, with OJ and uh, with OJ out and all the wide receivers questionable and Chris Godwin will most certainly be out for this game. Gronk is playable as a top 15 tight end. In my opinion, his usage and route participation has gone up every week that he's played. And it's like up in the 70, 80% uh, range right now, which is great numbers for a tight end. Uh, Jimmy Graham, on the other hand, I think he's a low end tight end one streamer in this in this game, you kind of just have to hope that he catches a touchdown. All right, Bills and Titans. Now, this one um, is really kind of murky right now because the Tennessee Titans, uh, just this morning as I was kind of finishing up this doc, two new positive tests came up in Tennessee per Adam Schefter. And this kind of poses a threat to this game and it could leave it in jeopardy. In my opinion, if, I, if you ask me what they should do, I think they should make the Titans forfeit this game because the Titans have been sloppy and, and irresponsible, to be honest. Uh, so far with COVID and they're by far the team that's been the most sloppy and irresponsible with it. So I think they should be punished for that. And I mean, it might only be one player's fault, but that's, that's what happens. If you don't follow the rules, then there should be repercussions for that. Um, let's go off. Uh, assuming this game does happen though. And we're going to say duh on Josh Allen, obviously because he's playing out of his mind. And I think you can stream my, uh, Ryan Tannehill in this game. Tannehill may look like a sit on the surface, but the Bills have actually been uh, top 10 in terms of fantasy points allowed against fantasy quarterbacks. And A.J. Brown should be back in this one, assuming he's not one of the people that has COVID, to give Tannehill a boost uh, this game. And and we're going to, again, for the sake of this, we're going to assume that all of Tannehill's weapons are healthy. That means Henry, that means Johnny, that means Davis, that means A.J. Brown. Um, running back-wise, duh and duh in this one, obviously. Um maybe does a little bit aggressive for uh, Devin Singletary, but as long as Devin Singletary is alone in this backfield, he's a workhorse. He, he's getting 89% of the snaps in the last two games that Zach Moss has not played and he's receiving 40 touches over the last two weeks. So yeah, Devin Singletary is, is a top 15 running back for me this week. I think you can start him with certainty as well. And then Derrick Henry is Derrick Henry. So he obviously will be startable in this one wide receiver wise. If AJ Brown plays, I think he is a flex option. I'm not going to say he's a start because 
I mean, AJ Brown coming off of an injury, he might be on a pitch count or some kind of thing. Uh, Corey Davis, uh, emergency flex, I believe you can, you can use him in a pinch as like a uh, wide receiver four or so. And then obviously, duh, you start Stephon Diggs. And I think you can emergency flex John Brown as well. Um, from the Bills perspective, I think uh, the, the matchups will be on the screen right now. Stephon Diggs going up against Jonathan Joseph. He should absolutely wipe the floor with him. And then Malcolm Butler is a solid matchup for John Brown as well. So I think both of those guys are usable in this game. AJ Brown is projected to come back uh, according to everything that I've uh, read. And if this game happens, he should be shadowed by Tredavious White if I had, uh, if I had to guess. And this is a situation, honestly, that just needs more information from multiple angles because we don't know if AJ Brown's going to be back. We don't know if this game's going to be played, period. All that kind of stuff. Um, I, I'm sure I'll, we'll give updates as the week goes along. Daniel will probably update you guys on his, uh, his ranking show and then I'll, we'll update you on the live streams as well. Uh, hopefully by um, tomorrow's live stream uh, for Thursday Night Football. Tight end wise, Jonu, if he plays, um, definitely, uh, definitely start him. And then you don't start any Bills tight ends. Make sure you have a backup plan though. If Jonu doesn't play, for example, I have Jonu in every single league that I'm in. I have Logan Thomas on my bench in my main league in case that Jonu doesn't play. I really, I actually wanted to pick up Gronkowski and play him, but he plays on Thursday. So I don't want to just like prematurely play Gronk. And then, uh, and then John is able to play and I kind of just downgraded my tight end situation. So make sure you have a tight end in case, and we'll talk about more games that could be affected by this in the uh, later in the show, but make sure you have some uh, contingency plans in place for tight end, because it is usually a scarce position and you, you're probably going to need to plan ahead if you want to get a solid option in case your guy doesn't play. So Jags and Texans. Quarterback wise, you start them both. I think Watson's probably been a little frustrating if you uh, if you drafted him super high, but at least he's been predictable. His two games under twenty points came against Pittsburgh and Baltimore, who I'm pretty sure anyone with eyes could tell you that those are tough matchups. And Minnesota and Kansas City, who are not as tough of matchups, he scored over twenty points in those games. Minshew, aside from the Dolphins blip, uh, where it was a Thursday night football where just a bunch of bullshit happens every time. And B, he didn't have DJ Chark. He's been excellent. He's recorded over 20 points in all three games aside from that game, which is unfortunate because myself included, a lot of us thought he was a great start in that game against the Dolphins. But like I said, he didn't have Chark. And Chark is, like, if you saw the game last week, you know that Chark is a big part of that uh, passing game because they've looked a lot better when Chark is in the lineup. Running back wise, uh, James Robinson is a duh. He versus a bottom three run defense in the NFL uh, so far this season against the Texans. So you can fire him up. Uh, fire him up. DJ is the biggest sell in fantasy, in my opinion, right now. The reason is because, so Houston fired Bill O'Brien, right? Bill O'Brien is the guy who brought DJ in because he was the acting general manager. And Bill O'Brien is also the only idiot dumb enough to feature this guy who is clearly over the hill and clearly washed up. Last week, he only played 55% of the snaps, David Johnson, compared to his 80 plus percent that he was playing without Duke Johnson in the lineup. And Duke also uh, out-targeted DJ last week. So I, I am really just, I'm kind of scared off of David Johnson. I think as of right now, he's still a top 24 running back, but it wouldn't shock me at all if they make this like kind of a full-blown committee. And it, it wouldn't shock me if they go to a more of a pass-heavy uh, pass approach than they have thus far, because their passing game is clearly their better attribute on offense with Deshaun Watson as their quarterback. And I think their defense is just playing like trash. So they're going to be forced to pass a lot anyway. Wide receiver-wise in this game, DJ Chark, obviously, he has been ad advertised since he came back from his injury. And even before that, he was playing pretty solid. Um, Will Fuller, obviously, you can start him after the week he had last week. And then I think you can flex LaVisca Chenault pretty confidently. And I think you can also emergency flex the other two Texans receivers as well, Randall Cobb and Brandon Cooks. 
Um, as I mentioned, Chark, besides the injury game that he was out for uh, against the Dolphins, he's had over 10 plus points in every game and he had 25 last week. So, I mean, he's been like the wide receiver two that you drafted him to be. And you probably drafted him almost in wide receiver three range if you're anything like where I got him. And then Chenault, uh, the matchups will be on the screen right now, but Chenault actually has the best matchup on the field. I can assure you that Vernon Hargraves is not dynamic enough to hang with LaVisca Chenault in open space. So he should rack up some catches, maybe get a couple carries in this game as usual. Uh, from the Texan side of things, Randall Cobb going up against DJ Hayden is actually the biggest wide receiver advantage of the entire slate of games, which is why I think you can emergency flex Cobb. Um, Fuller is the guy in this passing game, though. We could see a little juice from the Texans in this one, knowing that they're, they just fired their head coach. And sometimes, if I mean, if, they're, if they didn't like Bill O'Brien, which is possible, Watson could be on an absolute war path in this game, and Fuller and Cooks and Cobb could also be kind of beneficiaries of that as wide receiver uh, four options in a pinch. Tight end-wise, you sit them both. If you absolutely have to play one, I would say that you could play Tyler Eifert, but I really don't want to play either of these guys. Bengals at Ravens. Quarterback-wise, duh, you start uh, Lamar Jackson, and I think you start Joe Burrow as well. Much like the Bills, the Ravens have actually not been nearly as stout against quarterbacks as they, as they were a year ago. Plus, Burrow passing over 35-plus times every game thus far has been great for his fantasy production. From the running back position, duh, you start Joe Mixon coming off the game he had. He'll probably have a bit more of a down game in this one, if I had to guess. But uh, from the Ravens' backfield, I wrote you with like seven Ws because this backfield is fantasy Advil. And if you haven't heard me use this term before, it means it gives you a huge headache trying to figure out who to start. Jared uh, Smola of, um, of Draft Sharks highly suggests you go follow him. He tweets out great stuff all the time. He tweeted out the snap. He tweets out the snap rates every week. But this past week, he tweeted out the fact that Gus Edwards had the most snaps on the Ravens. Last week, it was J.K. Dobbins. The week before that, it was Mark Ingram. That is why this backfield is fantasy Advil. 88 snaps for Dobbins on the season, 80 snaps for Ingram, and 70 snaps for uh, Gus Edwards. Those are the snap counts in this backfield that is frankly not nearly as fruitful as it was last year with uh, Ingram carrying most of the load. So from this backfield, stash Dobbins. Don't play him though. Just stash him in case of injury or whatever if you have room on your bench, which you might not. Um, and get rid of Ingram if you can. I would totally be selling Ingram right now. I think it's going to take injury to start any of these guys with confidence. And even though, uh, even then, I don't think there's a guy that's like a top five running back if one of these guys go down. I think if Mark Ingram goes down, which I think is the most likely outcome because he's the oldest of the, the three running backs, then J.K. Dobbins will probably be a top 15 guy. But I think Gus Edwards will be heavily involved if that happens. So I don't think it's just like, oh yeah, J.K. Dobbins is a top five running back if Mark Ingram goes down which is probably what I expected if the, if this would have happened like right before the season, I would have been like, Oh man, JK Dobbins is like a first round pick borderline now. So wide receiver wise in this game, start of the week at the wide receiver position is Hollywood Brown. Tyler Boyd, also a great start in this game, flex T Higgins and sit AJ green. Boyd uh, has been outstanding and he's getting better and better with Joe Burrow as Burrow gets better and better. T Higgins against Marcus Peters isn't exactly a great matchup, but the rookie receiver from Clemson is getting volume and eating into AJ Green's role with each week that passes. And I think he's one of the best stashes in fantasy right now. So if he's on your waiver wire, go pick him up. Um, as far as the matchups that they're going to face, I kind of just touched over it a second ago, but T Higgins going up against Marcus Peters. I think that's a pretty solid matchup all around for T Higgins. And then Tyler Boyd going up against Marlon Humphrey, who has not been nearly as good as he was last year. Tyler Boyd should do um, fairly well in this game. Obviously, A.J. Green has a good matchup against uh, Anthony Averitt, but I mean, like A.J. Green's just playing like trash right now. And then Hollywood Brown going up against Darius Phillips is the best matchup on the field for the Ravens receivers, making him my start of the week, as I mentioned. 
And we just saw DJ Chark dissect the secondary last week. So I think um, Marquise Brown being that he's kind of the same mold as DJ Chark as like a downfield guy. I think he can do the same in this, in this matchup. And I think your window to buy Hollywood Brown is probably going to close after this week. Uh, tight end wise from, uh, from this game. Uh, I think you can stream Drew Sample and then duh, you start Mark Andrews. Drew Sample has actually been, I mean, he's been solid, but he's been pretty inconsistent in terms of targets. But I think you do expect a pass-heavy script in this one, given that the Ravens are probably going to win this game. The Bengals are probably going to be down at some point, so he's probably streamable as a top-20 option, given that Burrow's probably going to throw 40, 50 times this game. And then uh, to the next game, Panthers and Falcons. My start of the week at the quarterback position is Teddy Bridgewater, and Matt Ryan is also a pretty strong start as well. Falcons are dead last against fantasy quarterbacks, missing their entire starting secondary. DeMonte KZ tore his Achilles last week. AJ Terrell is on the COVID list. Uh, Darquez Denard is out with an injury as well. And then both safeties, uh, Keanu Neal and Ricardo Allen also out. So, I mean, the Falcons are rolling out practice squatters out there and their secondary, even when healthy, their starting secondary wasn't good to begin with. So, I mean, this is just, just a complete disaster for the Falcons. And I honestly think uh, the Panthers win this game and probably get Dan Quinn fired as a result. Running back wise, Mike Davis is a duh. Mike Davis deserves a duh because he has been incredible since uh, Christian McCaffrey has gone out. Uh, Todd Gurley also probably a start as well. I think you're, probably, you're kind of just hoping his inefficient, terrible ass falls into the end zone twice again, like it did against the Packers. But I mentioned Mike Davis. The reason I'm saying Mike Davis has been so well, I created this new stat. And basically it's not anything special, but the three most important things to me when evaluating a running back uh, from a college perspective or just like determining if he's a good running back or not are contact balance, uh, elusiveness and receiving ability. So I took the three stats that measured this most in the NFL, which is yards after contact per attempt, which measures contact balance, force missed tackles per attempt, which measures elusiveness and yards per route run, which uh, measures receiving ability. So the leaders this season in this stat, and I weighted each of those equally, are Raheem Mostert, who's only played one game, but he was great in that game. Mike Davis, Alvin Kamara, Jordan Wilkins, and James Robinson. I mean, Jordan Wilkins has been pretty good. If you haven't watched him, that might be a surprise to some people, but he's been pretty good. And to prove this stat is actually accurate, here's who led in it last year. Austin Eckler, Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook, Miles Sanders, Alvin Kamara, Ronald Jones, surprisingly, Nick, jo uh, Nick Chubb, Aaron Jones, Raheem Moser, Josh Jacobs, Mark Ingram, Chris Carson, like all guys that were great last year, right? So I think this stat is actually pretty predictive. I've nicknamed it the CMC stat or the Alvin Kamara stat because I think those guys are prototypical modern day running backs that are great in all three of those areas. So, I mean, if anyone has better names for the stat, you can, you can leave it in the comments and maybe I'll, maybe I'll take that name from you and give you a shout out. But I, I'm going to use this going forward because I think it's actually pretty accurate in determining who's effective and who's not. If you look at who's bad in this stat, it's like guys you'd think Todd Gurley and Peyton Barber and like guys that just aren't dynamic at all. So Mike Davis, man, he has been crazy good since Christian McCaffrey came out. And obviously, when, once McCaffrey comes back, he's not going to be good at all. But, I mean, he might have worked himself into, like, trade consideration. Another team might trade for him, seeing how well he's done. So, uh, wide receiver-wise in this game, DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson are startable, obviously, uh, going up against the Falcons' decimated secondary. And then all three wide receivers, whoever suits up, is startable in this game. There's a 54-point over-under in this one. And give me the over. I think it goes over in this game. Neither of these teams can cover anyone. So fire up the big, uh, the big names in this game as literally everyone has an advantage in their matchup. Curtis Samuel, Robbie Anderson, and DJ Moore going up against, like Robbie Anderson against Kendall Sheffield is actually the best matchup on the field. And I think Robbie Anderson probably goes, goes off in this game. And same goes for DJ Moore. I think DJ Moore can get on track in this one. 
assuming Julio plays, this is how the matchups work out for the Falcons receivers. Um, Julio going up against, like, they all have great, uh, great matchups and great advantages. I think Julio is probably not going to play if I had to guess. Retweaking a hamstring injury is never good. But if that happens, just sub in uh, Zacchaeus for where Julio is, and then the rest of the matchups should stay the same. Calvin Ridley and Russell Gage should definitely be startable in this one. I think they're both in my top 35 receivers with uh, Ridley, obviously, in my top 10. Um, tight end-wise, do not stream uh, Ian Thomas. I know he had a touchdown last week, but he's not useful at all. And then stream Hayden Hurst, not start Hayden Hurst. Hurst has been disappointing, to be honest, if you spent up on him in drafts. But he is still play, like he's still a top 15 option. He's not like unusable or anything like that. With the nature of this offense that he's in and the projected points in this game, he should have a, uh, a good one in this game. And again, if he doesn't have one, I'm going to get even more concerned for him. All right, Raiders and Chiefs. And again, this one is pending COVID results because the Raiders had a player test positive today and the Chiefs just played the Patriots who just had Stephon Gilmore test positive as well as Cam Newton. So, I mean, this game, it's said to go off like without a hitch, uh, according to like some of the people that I've seen on Twitter and stuff. But I mean, this one's going to be one to monitor for sure because there's a lot of fantasy relevant guys in this, in this game. Uh, quarterback wise, you sit Derek Carr. And uh, you play Patrick Mahomes. And I say you sit Derek Carr because he's actually been bad against Kansas City. He's not good at playing from behind, which is probably what's going to happen in this game because it's Kansas City. He's averaging a measly six, uh, six yards per attempt when he averages nearly seven and a half yards per attempt um, in games against anyone but, but Kansas City. So I don't think Derek Carr is like a great smash play in this game because he's playing from behind. Like his receivers are still all injured. And um, yeah, like just don't play Derek Carr. Running back wise, done, done. Don't be nervous about Josh Jacobs. I know he hasn't exactly performed since that week one game against the Panthers, but the last two matchups have been tough on him going up against the Bills and the Patriots. And I think he should get on, uh, get back on track in this one. If, uh, if anything, I think he catches a lot of checkdowns and stuff in this game because they are going to be playing from behind and Derek Carr has not been good playing from behind. I think he's going to rely on Waller and Jacobs, which is usually the case. And same goes for CEH. Don't be worried about CEH if you're worried about him at all. I think the game just kind of needs to slow down for him. He, it's, he's playing a little too in his head by the looks of it. He's still making guys miss and breaking tackles and all that stuff. But once the, once he gets acclimated to being an NFL running back, I think he's going to be a lot better. And uh, not only that, but uh, Jared Small tweeted this out as well. 15 running backs have average or have had seven plus carries inside the 10 yard line. 14 of those 15 have two plus touchdowns. Clyde Edwards Lair is the other guy and he has zero touchdowns. So the amount of goal line work and the amount of red zone work he's getting is good. But he just, for whatever reason, just can't get into the end zone. And that should change. Again, like as the game slows down for him, he's going to get better. He's going to get more effective. And he's honestly not been terrible thus far. He's been better than Jonathan Taylor, who I think we'll get to in a bit. But it, it, the game is really uh, too fast for him right now. Wide receiver-wise, sit all the Las Vegas receivers. I don't want to start like Hunter Renfro. I don't want to start any of them. Because Ruggs is out and because uh, Edwards hasn't really shown much, I just don't want to start any of these guys. Start Hill, emergency flex, either Hardman or Watkins. I think Hill's going to have a field day in this one, to be honest, assuming this game actually happens, as I mentioned. Tyreek Hill going up against LaMarcus Joyner, like 51% um, advantage is one of the highest on the slate. And then again, Sammy Watkins against Trayvon Mullen. That's, I mean, advantage Watkins as of right now. And then Hardman's just been kind of a gadget guy. Like you kind of, he's just a desperation play all the time. You can throw him into your lineup any week and just, just hope he gets some big plays or something. So uh, if you're desperate, definitely you can play Watkins or Hardman, but I would stick to just Hill probably for the Kansas City receivers. Um, and then uh, Las Vegas, as I mentioned, having Renfro going up against Tyron Matthew, and Renfro's really the only guy that's even somewhat reliable. 
I think you can emergency flex him, but even then I don't want to start him and going up against Tyron Matthew, who is by far the best um, cover option in the, the chief's corner uh, corner room. Tight end wise, no analysis needed on Wall and Kelsey. Obviously you hope this game happens. And if it doesn't, you're going to be missing some stud tight ends and you're going to have to um, find some other plans. But, uh, but if this game happens, those guys are going to be like my tight end one and two on the week. Cardinals and Jets. So Duh and Kyler Murray, you always start him. And never in a million years would I start a Jets quarterback. And Darnold is likely to be out for this game, supposedly with the AC joint or uh, shoulder injury that he sustained on Thursday night football. So we're going to see Joe Flacco in this one, like just gross. Uh, I already took the Cardinals minus seven. I suggest most of you do the same because, I mean, the Cardinals should should definitely take care of the Jets in this one. Running back wise, um, <laughs> Kenyon Drake, flex him if he's healthy, which, I mean, we don't know 100%. We'll have to val- um, monitor his practice situation and then emergency flex Edmonds if Drake is playing and sit all the Jets running backs. So Kenyon Drake, he's not good. He, he, he doesn't look good. He had fresh legs last year towards the end of the year and he's this year's Damian Williams. We saw... Two years ago with Damian Williams, he came in with fresh legs and looked incredible. Same goes for Kenyon Drake. Came in with fresh legs, looked incredible. Five targets for Kenyon Drake on the season. One of the biggest uh, reasons why I thought I could be wrong about Kenyon Drake is because I thought he could get a lot of targets in this offense. But Chase Edmonds is getting all the targets. And not only that, but Chase Edmonds actually looks better as a runner and a receiver. The reason I own Chase Edmonds everywhere is because I didn't believe in Drake and I didn't believe he could do it over the full season. Not only has he not done it over the full season, it's week five. And we're already like, oh my God, what a bust of a pick Kenyon Drake was. Like, there's a reason that Kenyon Drake is in his sixth NFL season and he's never been featured as a, as a workhorse running back. Even in college, he was not featured at Alabama. He was not featured in Miami. Why, would, why did we just assume that Kenyon Drake was going to be this feature back all of a sudden? He had like three good games in Arizona and we were ready to pick him in the first round. Big time landmine. And I hope you guys avoided it because I, I definitely, if you were following the channel then, I definitely told you guys to avoid Kenyon Drake in the, in the early second round. I said I wouldn't pick him probably until the third round, and that might have even still been too early because the fantasy community, what we like to do is elevate running backs based on situation, not necessarily talent or opportunity. So Kenyon Drake is going to be a big-time miss for a lot of people, but thankfully for myself, I don't own him anywhere, so I'm not really biting the bullet on that. Uh, and I would say go get Chase Edmonds right now. If you can go get Chase Edmonds, go do it because Drake is already banged up. And he's not playing well. Chase Edmonds has looked like the better running back. Kyler Murray, we know, uh, trust Chase Edmonds. He's been with him longer. So I think Chase Edmonds is a great buy low candidate right now before he has a chance to make, and maybe he only gets in there for two or three games, but those two or three games that Chase Edmonds is alone in that backfield are going to be awesome. Ask, uh, ask David Johnson last year, how Chase Edmonds performed when he was out of the lineup to the wide receiver position. I think there's two very clear starts in this game and then no one else. Uh, Jamison Crowder going up against Byron Murphy in the slot is a 29% advantage. According to PFF, I think you can fire him up as a top 30 receiver probably. And then DeAndre Hopkins going up against Blaise Swan Austin, uh, 36% advantage. One of the highest on the slate. Hopkins will be probably going nuts in this one. These two guys are the guys in their passing game. The, the passing game runs through both of these guys very inefficiently in Crowder's case, but Hopkins has been just a target monster. I don't want to mess around with any other guys for either team in this passing offense, because we honestly just have no idea who it will be. Maybe it's Christian Kirk. Maybe it's Larry Fitzgerald. Maybe it's Andy Isabella. Maybe it's Devin Smith for the Jets. Maybe it's like, we don't even know. Maybe it's Chris Herndon. Like we, we have no idea. Speaking of Chris Herndon, I think you can drop him personally. I was wrong on Chris Herndon by um, all accounts thus far, but I would keep an eye on him once Gase gets fired because Gase is going to get fired soon. And if they don't, they're the most uh, completely 
incompetent uh, ownership group I've ever seen. If they don't fire Gase within the next two to three weeks, I will be so shocked. It's not even funny. If that happens, Chris Herndon might emerge uh, as, a, as an option following that inevitable Gase getting fired midseason. So keep an eye on him. And then obviously you don't start any tight ends for the Cardinals. Eagles and Steelers. Uh, sit Carson Wentz and potentially even drop Carson Wentz, to be honest. But, and I think you can stream Big Ben in this game. Running back wise, done, duh. You definitely start Miles Sanders still. I know he's had a, a down game or two. And then you definitely start James Conner. Sanders is still getting great volume. It is concerning though, that the entire offense around him is injured, including the offensive line. Jason Peters is injured. Andre Dillard is injured. Brandon Brooks is injured. Lade Johnson's banged up. Like the only healthy guy there is Jason Kelsey. And that obviously is never, no running back is going to perform well when they're four of their five offensive line starters are down. And not only that, but there's no receivers healthy either around uh, Miles Sanders to help open up uh, the box for him. So teams know that Sanders is the best option in the Eagles um, offense right now, and they're able to shut him down. So hopefully Sanders is able to get some receiving work to buoy his value until some of these guys come back and uh, he can perform a little bit more efficiently then. Uh, James Conner right now, he's had his bye week out of the way. So that's a positive. And I think James Conner was also banged up in that first week. So this might've helped him get uh, back to full health. And he's, he's a top 15 running back going forward. Obviously you always know that looming injury concern with James Conner, much like Dalvin cook. We all know that there's just, there's going to be a time in this season where James Conner and Dalvin cook are going to go down and we're all going to blow our fab on Benny Snell and, and Dalvin and uh, Alex Madison. So keep an eye on James Conner. If you're uncomfortable holding him as like a top 15 running back, maybe trade him away for someone like Josh Jacobs. If the, if the Josh Jacobs owner is, is really concerned, or maybe I would not trade him for Kenyon Drake though. Do not trade him for Kenyon Drake. I would trade him for Miles Sanders. So in this, in this very game, if you can get Miles Sanders for James Conner, I would do that because I think the, um, the James, like people are going to look at the box score for James Conner and be like, Oh man, he's been so much better. The first game he got injured. So that's understandable. Um, but yeah, James Conner could be a ticking time bomb. I could be wrong about that, but it's just my gut instinct and what I've heard from uh, fantasy doctors around the industry because James Conner had cancer. He is a little bit more susceptible to soft tissue stuff. Um, so make sure that you are just keeping that in mind. If you own James Conner, just don't assume that you have this locked and load top 10 running back for the rest of the season. Cause there is a very good chance that he misses a couple games here and there. Wide receiver wise, sit all the Eagles receivers, Greg Ward, all the John Hightower. I don't really care who they're rolling out there. Don't start any of them uh, against this Pittsburgh Steelers defense. Start Juju Smith-Schuster and flex Deontay Johnson on the screen right now. You'll see the matchups that they have. Juju Smith-Schuster clearly has the better matchup uh, going up against Nikel Roby Coleman, who's been really quite bad uh, thus far this season. And Deontay Johnson going up against Darius Slay. Darius Slay has um, actually held really well against uh, number one receivers. He shut down Robert Woods. He shut down Debo Samuel in the limited action he played last week. Like Darius Leia is not someone I really want to be messing with. I still would start Deontay Johnson because he's likely, you probably likely have to start him um, given that you probably are not like five receivers deep at, on your team right now with all the injuries that have occurred. So I would start Deontay Johnson still, but uh, temper expectations for him. He's probably like a top 30 uh, receiver for me, but I, the top 20 guy that he's been thus far is probably going to take a hit this week against Darius Slay. Tight end wise, uh, duh, but I'm worried about Zach Ertz. And then stream Eric Ebron. Ertz has the volume, but ECR, uh, expert consensus ranking on Fantasy Pros, so the other experts around the industry, are they're consistently ranking him in the top four still among tight ends. And he's, I mean, he's playing more like a top 10 to 12 guy. Like Dalton Schultz is, is outscoring him. Like guys like that, I, I don't understand why Ertz is so high in ECR every week. I understand he's a huge name and he's still getting solid targets, but I mean, he, the offense is bad. He's not been good. 
Uh, Wentz has been bad. Like it, it's just not a great situation to attach yourself to. If you could sell Zach Ertz right now, I probably would. If you could sell Zach Ertz for Johnu Smith right now, I would do it. Even though Johnu Smith has the underlying concerns of his of his team being all COVID infested, I do think I'd rather own Johnu Smith even if he misses like a week or two still over Zach Ertz going forward because I think Zach Ertz is on the decline. And I, I mean, whenever Dallas Goddard comes back, I think he's going to keep eating into Ertz. Uh, Eric Ebron, on the other hand, has an easy matchup against uh, Kavon Wallace, according to PFF, and he's been solid, uh, a solid piece of this offense thus far. I think he's streamable as a top 20 option, and I also think he's a good pivot in case you have a guy like Jonu Smith or Darren Waller or Travis Kelsey, because Ebron might be available in your leagues on your waiver wire, and uh, you can pick him up and play him, I think, if any of those guys that I just mentioned miss their games or their games get canceled or whatever the case may be. So Rams at Washington. Uh, you stream Jared Goff in this one, but uh, a little bit more hesitantly than normal. And no, uh, never uh, with a Washington quarterback. And speaking of the Washington quarterback, shortly before I started recording this, Washington is benching quarterback Dwayne Haskins. So Kyle Allen will actually start this week. And I, I would imagine he's probably going to start the rest of the season unless Alex Smith can get some run. But I think the big takeaway with the Washington quarterback situation is I think Kyle Allen really helps Antonio Gibson. We saw him absolutely feed Christian McCaffrey eight plus targets per game last year. And I don't really think it does much for Terry McLaurin. I don't think it ruins his value. I don't think it increases his value. I think it's kind of a lateral move from Haskins to Allen in terms of downfield passing for Terry McLaurin. But the guy I do think it does help is Antonio Gibson. It should help him kind of see more target uh, volume. And as Gibson's role increases, I think that's only going to get better and better the more Gibson can get the ball in his hands as a receiver, the better things are going to be because that is his best attribute as a running back because he played receiver in college. So uh, hopefully that's a slight upgrade for people like me who own a lot of Antonio Gibson. Jared Goff, on the other hand, I, I had him as like a really highly rated quarterback last week. And what I kind of failed to realize is that Jared Goff has yet to throw more than 32 passes in a game this season. And the Rams remain one of the highest percentages in run rate in the NFL for neutral game scripts when they're leading. Like they're running the ball at a pretty high rate. They're, they're honestly a lot like the Browns right now in their philosophy, other than like talent, obviously. They don't have the running backs that the Browns have. But I think we need to start looking more at Jared Goff like Baker Mayfield. He's a low-volume option, but he'll be efficient. And if he plays well, he might have like a 200-yard passing day with three touchdowns. But he's probably not – the days are probably gone of Jared Goff throwing for 450 yards and four touchdowns and two picks. Like I don't think he's going to be that kind of quarterback anymore. I think he's going to be more of like a game – not a game manager, but like um, within structure, play action throws, like low volume, but efficient volume. So running back wise, nope on, uh, on any of the Rams running backs. Uh, what did Sean McVay say at the beginning of the season? He said, we have three backs that we can trust. Guess, guess, like, guess what? Cam is coming back. Cam Akers is coming back. And that just adds to the headache that is this backfield. I would sell everyone in this situation because I don't like it at all. I think it's going to remain a committee with whoever is there. And that includes Cam Akers. I'm not stashing Cam Akers because I don't think there's any chance that he ends up as like a feature bell cow by the end of the season. Like I thought was possible when I did one of my, uh, my sleepers videos. Cause Cam Akers was in there and I was like, man, like Cam Akers could be a breakout star this year. And I don't think it's going to happen. I think this backfield is going to remain a committee between Henderson, Malcolm Brown and Cam Akers. And that's just unfortunate. If you drafted Cam Akers high, um, I didn't really do that in any leagues, but I, I did want him in a couple leagues and I didn't end up getting him thankfully. Uh, and then Antonio Gibson, as I mentioned, you can start him as the top 22 type running back. He's looking better and better every week with his touches. He's still a risk week over week because he's not getting like crazy amount of snaps. And I think he's kind of game script dependent to some degree, but 
Last week, he did have a career high in yards, a career high in targets, a career high in total touches. So this should lead, and he looked great on those touches, obviously. He was the second best player in their offense last week, and I think he always is going to be behind Terry McLaurin. But this should at least lead to him maintaining his 15 to 18 touch role that he's had thus far. And if Kyle Allen can improve this offense at all, which I think is possible because he is familiar with the system and whatnot, um, then Gibson should see an upgrade from that perspective, uh, goal line carries and, and receiving work, as I mentioned. Uh, wide receiver-wise, start the usual three. Cup, Terry, Woods. Those are the guys that you start from this game. Cooper Cup and Robert Woods going up against uh, Jimmy Moreland and Ro- Ronald Darby, respectively. Again, looks like to be a Cooper Cup week. But Robert Woods definitely has an easier matchup than the ones he's had the past couple weeks going up against Tredavious White and, and James Bradbury the last two weeks. Both guys should be solid in this one. As far as Terry is concerned, uh, he will most definitely get Jalen Ramsey in shadow coverage. Uh, Terry did, however, dust Patrick Peterson for 125 yards. So we have seen him play well against the shadow before, but expect a slight downgrade as you never, you never want to see Jalen Ramsey on your, on your number one receiver. You'd rather see terrible corners on your best receivers. Tight end wise, duh, you, uh, you definitely want to be starting um, Tyler Higby every single week. And then I think you can stream Logan Thomas with relative uh, confidence as well. A lot of people are kind of down on Logan Thomas and I've seen him dropped in a couple of the leagues that I'm in. I've actually been scooping him up in those leagues, even though I don't really need a tight end because I have Johnny Smith in a lot of those leagues. I think you might see an upgrade with Allen coming in for a guy who's already top three in routes for the tight end position. He's number one in slot snaps at the tight end position with over 60%. So he's basically playing as a slot receiver and not a tight end. And he's top five in targets at the position as well. If he's available on your wire, I, I would highly suggest you go get him, stash him and stream him uh, if you need to, because as I just mentioned, which if John Smith misses this game, I'm just going to pivot to Logan Thomas because I think he's a solid option. Uh, okay. On to the 4 PM games quarterback wise dolphins at 49ers. You sit both of them unless Jimmy Garoppolo is back. Then I think you could like emergency stream Jimmy Garoppolo, but I'm not starting Nick Mullins or, or CJ Beathard or whoever ends up being the quarterback for the, uh, for that game. And I really don't want to start Ryan Fitzpatrick either running back wise. I think you can flex miles Gaskin start Jarek McKinnon and emergency flex Jeff Wilson. Now this is assuming Raheem Mostert is out. The Niners situation really just depends on Mostert's health. If Mostert plays, do not start Jeff Wilson. And McKinnon is downgraded probably to like a top 30 flex running back instead of the top 20 running back I have him ranked as right now. And Mostert would probably be in the top 25 if he plays because he might be a little bit limited. But if he is out, McKinnon is a top 20 guy. And I think Jeff Wilson's top 35 guy. So uh, that's kind of my thoughts on the Niners situation. And then as far as Gaskin is concerned, I think he's still the primary running back there. There's this, this has been a horrible matchup for running backs thus far though. So definitely uh, temporary expectations for him. I don't think he's going to have like a great week. He might, he's probably going to end up being in my top like 26 running backs, but I don't really feel great about starting him. So I'd, I'd pivot to other options. If you have any better ones wide receiver wise, uh, you start Devonte Parker for sure. Uh, based on the way he played last week and the way he's been playing thus far this season. Uh, if you see on the matchup chart there, he's going up against Dante Johnson, not Deontay Johnson from the Steelers, but Dante Johnson left cornerback for the San Francisco 49ers. I honestly don't even know who that is. So I think Devontae Parker is probably going to have a great game in that one. And then uh, both 49ers guys, Ayuk and Debo Samuel, I think you can play in this game. Uh, sorry, where was I? Oh, okay, so, so Debo Samuel had a strong start, to be honest, in uh, – is a strong start in this game. And I think your buy low window is honestly closing on Debo Samuel. He went up against Darius Slay on a pitch count last week and caught three balls with only uh, on only a handful of the team's routes. So we saw him involved, even though he only ran like 15 routes. 
and was on uh, only played 30% of the snaps and was against one of the best corners in the league. So I think in this game, he sees definitely an upgrade being that he's not going up against Darius Slay. He's going up against Noah Igbenogany, who's a rookie corner, who's playing really bad, uh, according to all the Dolphins people that I follow and stuff. So Debo Samuel should have a good game in this one if he is indeed full, um, full go and he's a full part of the offense. Even if he's not, I think he could still have a, a pretty solid game. Brandon Ayuk, though, um, I think he's startable as well. Uh, even though he's going up against Xavier Howard, this defense is allowing top 10 um, production to the wide receiver position. And then the only other guy that you could possibly start in this game, I would sit, and that's Preston Williams. Because, I mean, Parker's been solid this season, and he's been the number one target. Par- Preston Williams has not seen uh, a high snap share. In fact, since week one, his snap share has decreased every single week coming off the ACL tear, which, again, I, I suspect that he is still recovering from that. And he's not 100%. And next year will be the time to, to own Preston Williams. I think this year he's going to be a little bit downgraded. So um, I think he's honestly borderline droppable. If you if there's if T Higgins is on the waiver wire, I'd much rather own T Higgins. If Brandon Ayuk's on the waiver wire, I'd much rather own Brandon Ayuk. Even if guys like I don't know Greg Ward, like man, it's like even a close conversation between those guys. So I I'm not really a big fan of Preston Williams going forward. I think you're going to be sitting him more often than not. Tight end wise uh, in this game, stream Mike Kosicki and then duh, you play George Kittle every week. Uh, Mike Kosicki is kind of in Hayden Hurst territory for me right now, where I think he has a solid weekly ceiling, but he has a low floor as well. So he's like a top 15 tight end going forward. But I, I do think he has a pretty solid ceiling and you can play him more often than not. Uh, Giants at Cowboys, the next game we have here. My stream of the week is Daniel Jones for pretty obvious reasons, if you know anything about the Cowboys defense. And then obviously you start Dak Prescott every week. The Cowboys secondary is an utter dumpster fire. Like it is probably the worst secondary I've seen since like my Tampa Bay Bucks a couple of years ago. Even though the Giants offense is completely anemic and averaging like 12 points a game, I think you can start DJ as a top 20 option this week. I wouldn't go crazy and stream him over like Tom Brady or something, but I think he's a back end quarterback uh, quarterback two option that you need to, if you can if you need to play him, you can. Uh, especially if a bunch of games get canceled, he should be available on your waiver wire. Uh, running back wise, the Giants backfield equals a giant pile of dog shit and uh, duh on, um, on Zeke Elliott. Obviously you want to be starting him, but there's not a chance I use anyone from this backfield. Just drop Devonte Freeman or trade Devonte Freeman or drop Deion Lewis. Like whoever you have from the Giants backfield, it's not even worth owning them in my opinion, because this offense is terrible. Like it's one of the worst offenses in the league. The offensive line is getting manhandled week over week. The running backs are not good. None of them are actually talented. So it's not like they can create on their own. This is just a backfield I want absolutely nothing to do with. And if you can trade any of these pieces for anything even remotely useful, I would do it. Zeke, uh, on the other hand, isn't running the greatest right now, I would say, but the volume is still there. Uh, Receiving volume, as we've seen, kind of has gone up in the past couple of weeks. And it's still a very high scoring offense. So there's definitely still chances he gets into the end zone. So I wouldn't be too worried about Zeke. And he might even be a buy low candidate if you can get him for someone like, I don't know, if someone uh, would rather have Miles Sanders or Josh Jacobs than Zeke. I think you, you'd be wise to make that trade-off because I think Zeke is definitely more valuable than both of those guys. Uh, wide receiver-wise, you could pretty much fire everyone up in this game. Um, all three Cowboys receivers are in my top 25 this week. CeeDee Lamb, according to PFF, has the best matchup against Darnay Holmes, who's been absolutely abused by pretty much every slot receiver that's gone up against him. Amari Cooper uh, could have a down game, um, but it's weird because Amari Cooper has played bad matchups thus far this season, including Jalen Ramsey in the first uh, week of the season. But this is a typical Amari Cooper disappoints game. So I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be shocked if Lamb and Gallup are the better uh, options in this game and Cooper has a bit of a bust game. 
But like I said, all three of these guys are top 25 for me. As far as the Giants receivers are concerned, we saw both Jarvis and Odell Beckham Jr. last week have pretty solid games. Um, in Jarvis's case, in Odell's case, he had an awesome game, which makes me believe that Slate, uh, Slayton and Tate can take advantage of this porous pass defense. And I mean, Darius Slayton going up against Daryl Worley should be a pretty uh, juicy matchup for Slayton. And Golden Tate going up against Jordan Lewis in the slot also should be a pretty solid matchup. So I think you can fire up Tate as like a wide receiver four, and then Darius Slayton as like a high-end wide receiver three in this matchup. And they both should be startable because the Giants are most likely going to have to throw a lot and play from behind. Um, and this is a pretty easy pass defense to do that against. Tight end wise in this matchup, Dalton Schultz is earning a duh for me because Dalton Schultz has been excellent. He's been great since Jarwin went down. He's the tight end eight on the season. And that includes week one when he wasn't even the full-time tight end. He's getting like six, eight and 10 targets a game. Like he's been incredible and he's also getting red zone work. So Dalton Schultz, as far as I'm concerned, is an every week start going forward. Uh, Evan Ingram, on the other hand, I would get rid of him. Not, and not necessarily drop him because he has name value and he's getting targets. But this offense sucks, and, and frankly, so does Ingram right now, uh, right now. So if you can trade Evan Ingram for name value, based on name value, for a guy like Dalton Schultz or for a guy like, um, I don't know, I, I even I almost rather have Eric Ebron at this point than Evan Ingram. Like, Eric, like, Evan Ingram has just not been good. He's not been playing well. PFF has just completely rinsed his PFF grade. Like, they, they just, he is just not playing uh, good at all. I don't know if he's hurt or whatever the case is, but I don't want to own Evan Ingram right now, and this is – part of the reason why I didn't draft him is because there's just stuff goes wrong with Evan Ingram On to the next game. And again, this one very well might not happen. And that's the Broncos at the Patriots. Um, so basically uh, this guy, Mike uh, Kliss is a, a verified guy on Twitter. I believe he reports on the, on the Broncos or the Patriots. I actually didn't even check his bio, but he is saying that the game should be a go still, even though if, uh, if something changes, like if the Patriots come out and have more people test positive, they might cancel this game as well but definitely keep an eye on this one as, as it stands right now, it's supposed to go on uh, without a hitch. But again, we, we never know in this COVID kind of era of football, what could happen. So definitely keep an eye on that game quarterback wise in this game. Don't start any of them. Uh, I don't think Cam's going to play in this one. So don't worry about that. Uh, running back wise, duh on Melvin Gordon, sit Philip Lindsay if he plays and flex Damian Harris, not as like a crazy high option. Cause there's probably going to be some analysts out there that are like, Oh, Damian Harris is like a top 20 running back this week. Like, no, Damian Harris is a borderline flex play at best. In my opinion, he, as, as far as like Damian Harris only played 31% of the snaps last week. So I'm not rushing to play him as a top 25 running back or anything like that. But I do think you can flex him in a pinch as a top 35 option, which is probably a lot of people are in pinches right now, given that Chubb has gone down, Eckler's gone down, all these like high end running backs have gone down. So you probably do need a running back to play. And I think Harris is that guy for a lot of people. As far as Melvin Gordon is concerned, he's been solid in Lindsay's absence. He, he should still be great this week, but with Lindsay coming back, as Fangio projects that Lindsay will be back this week, he'll probably be on a pitch count, so don't play Philip Lindsay. But by next week, I think, um, Melvin Gordon will likely see less volume than he's been seeing since Lindsay has been out. I believe he only saw like 13 carries week one when Lindsay was there. I think that's a little bit more realistic for what we're going to see with, with Melvin Gordon once Lindsay comes back. So, I mean, play him in this game, but... Um, if he has a big game, you might be able to, you might want to use that window to sell him because that'll be a couple big games for him in a row then. So wide receiver wise in this game, start Julian Edelman, sit Nikhil Harry and flex Jerry Judy. Edelman seeing Isang Bassi in the slot should make a great, uh, make for a great game for him. Uh, Nikhil Harry has a rough matchup against Callahan and he's been inconsistent thus far this year. So I, I wouldn't be starting him if I can help it. 
And then Jerry Judy on the other side of the ball should benefit from Gilmore being, or uh, shouldn't benefit from Gilmore being out in this game because Jerry Judy plays primary in the slot and he's going to see a lot of Jonathan Jones anyway. So, I mean, he's still a flex play as a wide receiver three, but Jonathan Jones is not a good matchup. If this game goes off, um, it should be a pretty rough outing for Jerry Judy going up against Jonathan Jones, but who knows? He could surprise and, not, and still have a good game because he is very talented. Tight end wise, Noah Fant could play in this game, which is kind of surprising to me. It looked like he suffered a serious injury on Thursday, but if he plays, you can play him. Fant is supposed to be back either this week or next week, according to the Broncos stuff that I was able to read. And he's been the number one guy in this offense. So if he plays, you can definitely play him. And then Patriots wise, don't start any of their tight ends. Um, on to the next game, Colts at Browns. Quarterback-wise, um, Mayfield is my sit of the week. So do not start Baker Mayfield against this Colts defense. And then Rivers is more washed than laundry uh, in the in the friggin' laundry. I, I can't even speak right now, but you know what I mean. Rivers is completely washed up. So Mayfield goes up against a great defense, playing very, very well right now. So I know Mayfield's playing pretty well and playing pretty efficiently, but I, I don't expect him to have a good game in this one because I, I expect this to be a low-scoring game. Um, running back-wise, I think you can start both of the top guys. Uh, being Kareem Hunt and Jonathan Taylor. Definitely be sitting their second options though. Um, Naheem Hines and Dearness Johnson or whoever else is going to be the, the second option for the Browns. Don't play anyone other than Kareem Hunt in this game because I think Kareem Hunt uh, gets m- the majority of the work in this game and, and doesn't leave a lot to be desired for anyone else. Plus this is a bad matchup against the Colts defense anyway. So I don't know if you want to be playing Dearness Johnson in a bad matchup. Wide receiver wise, start Odell. Emergency flex T.Y. Hilton and Jarvis Landry. So Odell Beckham is expected to go up against Xavier Rhodes. And honestly, the Rhodes might be closed again because the way Xavier Rhodes has been playing, he's playing like he was a couple of years ago when he was like an all pro corner. He shut down some good wide receivers this year. So Odell may have a down game in this one. Despite the good week that Jarvis Landry had, it came on the back of a, like a passing touchdown. So I don't expect that to happen very often. And this defense is not the Dallas Cowboys. In fact, it's the complete opposite right now because this defense is like number one in DVOA and the Cowboys is like number 32 in DVOA. So Jarvis Landry was playing bad before that game against the Cowboys and I expect him to have a down game in this one. So don't start him if you can help it. If you need a wide receiver for like, he's like my wide receiver 41 right now. If you absolutely need to start Jarvis Landry, I don't hate it, but I also don't like it either. And then T.Y. Hilton going up against Denzel Ward isn't ideal either. I think both guys are in wide receiver four territory, as I mentioned. I would rather start T.Y. Hilton if I had to make a choice straight up between these two guys, but I don't want to start either of them. Uh, tight end-wise, both of them are streamable, Austin Hooper and Mo Alley-Cox, so they're, but they're right on that borderline streamable usage uh, range. Uh, tight end 20 and 21 is where I have them. Neither of them are great options, as neither of them are highly targeted. But Co- and Cox also saw a snap decrease last week with Jack Doyle back and in full health. So uh, keep an eye on Mo Alley-Cox. I don't think he's like this breakout tight end going forward. I do think he's going to be kind of in a tight end by committee in that offense, but I think he is kind of streamable in this game because I don't expect the wide receivers to have very much success for the Colts and Phillip Rivers has to throw the ball somewhere. So Sunday night football, Vikings at Seahawks. The over-under on this game is 57. It's the highest of the week. Um, quarterback wise, I think because of the high over under, you can stream Kirk cousins. And obviously you start Russell Wilson every week, but cousins is playing a lot better now that, uh, Justin, Justin Jefferson has emerged and taken over Stefan Diggs's role. Still not a high volume guy, Kirk cousins, but he is usable as a top 20 guy in this, uh, in this matchup. And I would start him over a guy like Daniel Jones, even though I like him this week, uh, I would start him over, uh, Carson Wentz and Baker Mayfield and Ryan Fitzpatrick and all these guys that are kind of fringe starters. So, I would use Kirk Cousins as a, a very viable streamer this week. Running back wise, both does obviously. 
Uh, Chris Carson looks to be fine from his injury. And then Cook looks like he's on his elite war path, uh, Dalvin Cook self, anytime he's been on the field. Uh, from the wide receiver position in this game, start Adam Thielen for sure. Start Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf for sure. And then I think you can flex Justin Jefferson as well. Um, from the Vikings receivers perspective, you can see the matchups on the screen right now. Justin Jefferson expected to go up against Trey Flowers, which is a very high advantage Jefferson. And then uh, Adam Thielen going up against Shaq Griffin, also pretty high advantage Thielen. Thielen has been pretty much everything I thought he'd be this season. And Jefferson has been pretty admirable in his breakout, considering he missed a lot of camp time. He missed time because he was on the COVID list and he also was kind of banged up. So Jefferson breaking out is actually very, very impressive in my opinion. And I think he's going to continue this streak of, of just going off uh, week after week. I don't think he's going to be like a top 10 receiver on the season or anything, but uh, wide receiver three that you can throw into your lineup, similar to what um, kind of Terry McLaurin was in his rookie year last year. Yeah. I think Justin Jefferson can be that. And uh, from the Seattle side of things, obviously you start both of these guys. I'll just show you the matchups just so you can get an idea. DK Metcalf going up against Holton Hill and Jeff Gladney going up against Tyler Lockett. I'd actually like to know how big Holton Hill is. I'll actually look that up real quick just right now because I want to see what the size advantage is between DK Metcalf and uh, Holton Hill in this matchup. So um, DK Metcalf is about 6'3", like 233 pounds. And Holton Hill is, I mean, 100 and 196 pounds. Not very tall. I think, I think he's going to bully the shit out of him. And DK Metcalf might go absolutely off in this game. Same goes for Tyler Lockett. I think he gets on track after having a, a bad game last week. Tight end wise, Olsen's actually not been completely terrible, but Eric Hendricks and the Vikings defense has been way more prone to wide receivers than they have been of tight ends. So I would expect a down game in this one from Greg Olson, but he's worth an absolute desperation play if, you're, if you need to. He's my tight end 23 on the week. I believe ECR has him around the same, age, uh, same range as well. All right, last game of the week, Monday Night Football. My start of the week at the quarterback position is Justin Herbert. And I think you could stream Drew Brees as well in this game. Justin Herbert, low-key, is among the league's best in many quarterback metrics, including passer rating under pressure, deep passing. I mean, the kid's been excellent. He has an awesome schedule coming up uh, starting uh, this week. He has the Saints this week who have been bad against quarterbacks. He has the Jets next week. He has the Dolphins the week after the Jaguars, the Raiders, and the Broncos. Like all of these matchups are very, very good for fantasy quarterbacks, except for maybe the Broncos. But I mean, like you can stream him for the next six weeks if you want to. If you need a quarterback um, to stream and you don't have to want to have to worry about the position, like drop five to 10 bucks of fab on Justin Herbert and you'll have your quarterback for the next six weeks because the dude runs, he throws deep. Like that's what we want out of our quarterbacks and he scrambles. So I think Justin Herbert's going to be a very viable play uh, going forward. Uh, Drew Brees, um, again, another one of these guys that consensus is just way too high on. He's in the top 12 every single week in consensus quarterback rankings. I'm not sure why. He's a streamable option this week. It's a good matchup against a beat-up Chargers defense, but he's averaging less points per game than Derek Carr, Carson Wentz, who people are dropping, Jared Goff, who's basically discount Baker Mayfield at this point, and Teddy Bridgewater. So I, like, I honestly don't understand why Drew Brees is like this every week smash play to the experts. I totally disagree with that. I think you can only play Drew Brees in really good matchups. Maybe he'll see an upgrade if Michael Thomas comes back this week, but either way, like Brees is like a top 18 quarterback for me. So I do think you can start him, but I'm not like overly excited about starting him either. Running back wise in this game, uh, I think you can flex uh, Josh Kelly, emergency flex Justin Jackson. Obviously, you start Alvin Kamara, and then you can emergency flex Latavius Murray as well. So Jared Smola tweeted this out. Once Austin Eckler went down, the running back opportunities, carries, and targets after this happened, Josh Kelly got 12, and Justin Jackson got 8. 
this was a high throwing game script though. So this could have been out of whack a little bit against the bucks last week, but the snap rates were as follows. Josh Kelly at 57%, Justin Jackson at 40%. Both running backs are in for tough matchups, both the, the saints running backs and the chargers running backs. So I'll play the two starters in Kelly and Camara, obviously, but Jackson and Murray are kind of low end RB threes for me. So I'll sit them if I can, but they are startable in a pinch. If you lose, I don't know, Clyde Edwards, Alaire, if that game gets canceled or some shit, I think you can start Latavius Murray because we've seen him in positive game scripts, get a lot of uh, rushing attempts before uh, wide receiver wise in this game, start Keenan Allen, start Michael Thomas, if he plays. And if he doesn't play, uh, you can flex Emmanuel Sanders. So Keenan Allen sees Chauncey Gardner Johnson in the slot should smash as usual, as usual with Justin Herbert now at the helm as quarterback. Keenan Allen has received 41 targets over the last three weeks since Herbert has taken over. Keenan Allen is honestly playing like a top 10 receiver in fantasy. This, this, uh, this stretch that Herbert's been the quarterback. And if this continues, man, Keenan Allen was going to be a steal in drafts because he is getting volume. Like he has never seen volume before. And Mike Williams is still out. So, I mean, Keenan Allen going forward, if you can trade for him somehow, I don't know if you're going to be able to, but I would much rather have Keenan Allen than a guy like Terry McLaurin, to be honest. Like, even though I love Terry McLaurin, I think Keenan Allen is, is, is going to be a top 10 receiver on the year, to be honest, to the way he's playing. Michael Thomas, as I mentioned, he might play this week with his high ankle sprain, but the Saints do have a bye next week. So if they're smart, if they want to be smart with it, they may opt to have him sit out again. And if he, but if he does play, I think you can flex, um, or sorry, if he, if he does sit out, I think you can flex Sanders, even though he's expected to see Casey Hayward as the primary defender, but I wouldn't be getting cute and starting Traquan Smith or anything like that. Tight end wise. I think these guys are both does if they're both playing and they're both healthy, then they're top 12 guys, Hunter Henry and Jared cook. You can fire them both up if they both play. All right, guys, that's it. That's it for these matchups. Pray. Let's pray real quick. Let's have a, a moment of prayer and pray that none of these games get canceled. None of these games get moved back. We want the NFL season to go off without a hitch. I know I do. I don't want anyone getting COVID for health reasons, but not only that, I just want to watch football uninterrupted without thinking about COVID. So hopefully all those, that, all those people that are getting COVID, hopefully they recover fast and, and the spread is, is minimalized by the league. Hopefully the NFL's new policies that they've put in are going to help uh, limit that happening. And uh, as always, guys, make sure you guys like this video. If you want to uh, show your support, let's try and get this to 200 likes. And I will not eat pizza on the Sunday live stream, even though I might still do it. Uh, comment on this video. Whoever gets, gets down there first, will get a shout out every time they do it. Crocomon got their first last video. We'll see you can do it this next time. So uh, subscribe to the channel. If you're new, hit the icon uh, that looks like a bell. If you want to be notified anytime we go live, anytime we post videos. So uh, without further ado, guys, uh, peace out. Enjoy your Wednesday.